Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans. Ah, fuck. Get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Oh, welcome to the Blood and Blood <laughs> podcast, everybody. Oh. Uh, I mean, who's not feeling it? it I, just, I just started this podcast off by kicking one of my cat's jingly toys, which is apparently at my feet. So uh, a little bit like a horror movie. Uh, yeah, sound. I thought it was going to get a bit festive, you know? Yeah. But no. You keep tapping your foot like a one-man band. Uh, hi. Hello, welcome to Blood and Mud, everybody. The podcast that has loved some ladies and loved Jim Beam, and both of them tried to kill us in 1973. Um, I am Lee, and over there is... Uh, Josh, still, just about. I think I am. What day is it? I mean, it's amazing that we managed to coordinate that we're still doing this on a Monday night, given that time has absolutely no meaning anymore. Well, we normally don't do it on a bank holiday Monday, do we? We normally push it, but as you say, it's nothing <laughs> makes guess a difference anymore. what we're going to be doing anymore. tonight, let's be honest. How is your lockdown going? What have you, I mean, what have you done today on a bank holiday? Watch a Bond film, something like that. Uh, I, I mean, I watched a fantastic film, which we'll talk about later. But uh, yes, we are talking about the Brighton Miracle today. Which uh, yeah, um, um, lots of questions. I think it it, it raises more questions than answers. Questions. That film. I, I basically I started making notes about this film, and literally thirteen minutes in, I had a thousand words of notes, <laughs> and I was like, I need to I need to ease back on this. <laughs> Nine hundred of them were why. <laughs> yeah, well, just what? Just what's going on? What's going on here? Well, today um, I, I've I finally got round because it was on digital release today to watching the Rise of Skywalker. It's all right, isn't it? Me and my son have watched it. It's it's fine. Mm. Loads of it doesn't make any sense from a plot line point Absolute of view. Absolute cobblers, yeah. However, a, as a kind of space epic action movie with a few laughs, yeah, it's fine. It's 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 fine. Is my review? I think it has been my consistent review of it. It was fine. 
Maybe it's so not... much to it. Went, that was all right, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no hurry to watch it again, but no. probably would if it was on. Yes, you know, that's indeed. Why, yes, that's my kind of vibe with it. So that's what's yeah. become of Star Wars. No rush to watch it again, but probably will watch it if it's on. No, I'm I mean, sure what I... Disney wanted when they purchased it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the flip side, I was, you know, in bed for a few days last week, and I did end up blitzing through, uh, thanks to Disney+, Plus. I blitzed through like three and a half seasons of uh, the Clone Wars cartoon, because that was all my brain could really think. It's very good. It adds more depth and nuance to the Star Wars universe than any of the films have. So, you know, there we are. Have you watched The Mandalorian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched that. I watched that illegally ages ago. Great. <laughs> <laughs> As in, you streamed it or you watched it with, like, binoculars to your neighbour's window. It's uh, yeah. a different level of illegal, isn't it? You don't binoculars. want to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, full on. <laughs> right then, hello, um, yeah, everybody. Good. If you want um, to get in touch with us, tell us what you've been watching, then you can get in touch with me yeah, at Blood Because I bet you have been. Yeah, because what else are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> seriously, though, I mean... What would we do without all this fucking box set shit and stuff? Well, it's like I've seen that sort of meme going around of people going, you know, that one person that's always been very smug about, oh, I don't actually own a television. Looks like a right cunt now, don't they? Well, we're all having to work from home, aren't we? Yes. And, but, and, and basically, somebody, so we're giving everybody kit to go and work from home, and somebody who works for us said, I don't have internet in the house. And everyone kind of went, What do you do there? Sorry, what? (laughs) Sorry, what? (laughs) Well, we just got them a dongle. It wasn't a problem, but it was just a genuine sort of surprise that somebody didn't have internet in their house. Yeah, well, we we, we had a similar thing where it's like, you know, our requires a relatively decent connection to do what we do remotely, shifting big images and things like that. Ah, yes. Um, And one of um, the people who works for me sort of like was like, It's just not working for me. It's not working. And it turns out he had a. a broadband that gave him something like three megabytes a second. Was that a choice or because of where he lived? Uh, no, it was a choice. He lives in London. <laughs> so he's chosen. He's, uh, he's gone for the cheap bastard broadband. He's literally broadband. found the cheap, and he's like, it's fine for me. I can watch Netflix and stuff. It's like, can you? Can you watch Netflix? <laughs> Not on at 1080, you can't. Not at 1080. <laughs> what screen are you, are you watching it on your phone? Yeah, indeed. That's the only, yeah, I, I staggered by that. And Somebody I've got a 500 gigabyte limit a month, one of them, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> they still exist, don't they? Those packages they where you can limit. Because they've, they've had to take the caps off them for, you know, yeah. to not seem like absolute cunts. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so if you have got internet and you want to get yes. in touch with us, that doesn't get in touch with me. How do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner. Done. We're on ACAS, we're on all that kind of stuff and, you know, Apple and shit and... We're also on Patreon.com. The VIP lounge is still open. We've had to introduce some distancing measures, though. Um, yeah. Everyone has to clear a space for me, around me on the dance floor, and everyone has to stay at least five metres away from Josh. Yeah, which basically, I'm, I'm not going to step on your punchline there. Yeah, so no but... difference as usual, then. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You. you should have had that one. That was there for you. I'm throwing that your way. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, anyway. In the VIP lounge this week, I'd like to thank Greg Cameron, who has joined us. Thank you very Hi, much, Greg. Greg, who's come in. And take a seat, get yourself a drink, and enjoy me dancing and Josh not speaking. Um, Which, if anybody who went to Judgment Day last year knows that's, I mean, exactly on brand. Exactly. We are in lockdown end times, Josh, because I was looking through, we're going to get onto news later, but I was looking for some news. And on the BBC website, uh, they've got Ben Earl has a column. He of Saracens and England flame. 
But obviously, the net, when they got the deal with Ben Hill for this column, I don't think they were in te- entirely anticipating that this would be what they'd have to fill. So what we've got this week from Ben Hill is uh, Ben Hill's Saracen and England forwards must-read books. If you're on lockdown, in isolation with Ben Hill, he says... Oh, I'm intrigued. Please tell me So what here are the books that he says that you should read while yeah. you're in lockdown, everybody. The Blind Man of Seville by Robert Wilson. And he opens with, full disclosure, I'm a big murder mystery man, says Ben. Fair enough. And there's a whole bucket of those I could recommend. So apparently The Blind Man of Seville, that's one. Right. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. I don't believe for a fucking second he's reading Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. <laughs> Maybe he is. Mate, you know what Saracens are like with their Renaissance men and fucking Mario Toje writing poetry? Maybe Ben Earl's really into sort of like first, first, first wave of feminism literature, you know? If you wanted to go for a classic, he says, Ben says, I recently enjoyed... Yeah, after, after recommending Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Come on. If you want to go for a classic, I recently enjoyed Jonah Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I've never picked it up before. I enjoyed loving it. I wouldn't exactly call it a thriller, he says. But I found uh, reading from correct. the perspective of a woman, interesting. What a weird sentence. What a <laughs> weird bit, sentence. I, I mean, I paraphrase that. But that's what he said. Yeah, yeah, but it's still a weird sentence. It's different yeah. to what I, when I was reading when I was studying it. He says, <laughs> I did Jane Austen. I did A-level English literature, Josh. And I studied Persuasion by Jane Austen. And I, can't, I don't know if I told you this before, but I managed to write two essays about Persuasion despite never reading all of Persuasion. Uh, I did exactly the same. I think it was probably for GCSE, or maybe it was for A-level with uh, Remains of the Day. In that I wrote, I did an exam and wrote two essays on Remains of the Day, despite never having actually cracked that book in my life. I didn't like reading much. It was a really bad idea to do English literature. <laughs> so I treated every book I was given like a textbook. So I'd just yeah. try and flip to like p- passages that looked like they were relevant to the point I was trying to make. I had no idea what point I was trying to make, obviously, and I was completely out of my element. And funny enough, I got an E in A-level English literature, which is <laughs> probably... And actually, here's a funny thing. Well, it's not funny, but it, it is when you look back on it. I, I got an E in an essay, and they said, you can rewrite this and resubmit it because it's part of your thing. I said, okay. So in rewriting it, I just copied it out again and handed it back in. And got an E. This is the level of lazy I was as a 17 and 18 year old man. I respect that. I respect that. I mean, I I was similarly lazy, to be honest, so I can't really... I think in these days of data tracking, I would never, ever have been allowed to get away with it. But back then, uh, it was a different world. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. My short course GCSE Welsh uh, speaking and listening exam, where me and my friend Ian had to basically have a conversation in Welsh while we were taped yes um and we made it a minute and a half in we both forgot everything even though he um we both forgot everything that we were supposed to say and then i said fuck um <laughs> did you spell it so... fwc though <laughs> no i didn't um and then uh my teacher just goes uh do you want to do you want to start again and get your notes out boys <laughs> and so me and my literally just read yeah. Because you lads are a banker off. for a B stroke A. There's no fucking <laughs> yeah. way I'm letting that out of the room. Got a fucking it, got a fucking A, didn't I? Absolutely. <laughs> and I felt bad about it ever since. But you know. It was short course. Nobody cares about short course Welsh. Basically just there to make up the numbers. 
The thing with Welsh is I found it when I was... Because I, I, I had the interesting of moving to Wales as a teenager with this mm. accent, so I had to actually try and learn Welsh then. Yeah, good luck with that. With, with this, you know, Dione, et cetera. And, um, <laughs> and I found that I, I found myself just going in oral test all the time, just responding to everything with dithorol, 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 which if you don't know means interesting in Welsh. Interesting, but they, yeah. Dithorol, dithorol. Yes. Anyway. That's why... Like thing in meetings these days, you know, just like in any sort of formal setting, just, just interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, back to Ben Earl and his books. Um, his yes. next one is his next one is Omeros by Derek Walcott. He says, "I also enjoy poetry, and a secret hobby of mine is Caribbean poetry." He's been spending too much time with Maruito, hasn't he? I tell you what, but that is niche. That Caribbean is niche. poetry. I mean, I'm fascinated now. Ben Hill genuinely seems like a a Renaissance man. But you can, in, can you in see the, where the this is? Yeah, but then with his next book, he pulls it right back to where it's supposed to be. Payback by Andy McNabb. Boom. Hey, there it is. <laughs> there we go. And then finally, Black Box Thinking by Matthew Saeed, because you've got to have some kind of like sports psychology shit, haven't you? Even okay. though Matthew Saeed fucking makes it up as he's going along and has oh, somehow no. managed to get a career out of it. Plays table tennis, let's be honest. Does a podcast with a... You don't need to do anything. You don't need to know, know a thing to do a podcast, do you, Josh, as we've discovered? <laughs> anyway, sorry, so Lockdown End Times, Ben Hill's recommendations for books. There you go, everybody. Yeah, fascinating. We start, as we always start, with a player spotted. Steph, long-time friend and supporter, Steph Lockhart-Franklin gets in touch via the Patreon messaging service. Mm. She says, hi, Lee. I think she means you as well. Um... These dark lockdown times do strange things to a person's mind, she says. And out right. of nowhere, I mean, you start liking Caribbean poetry for a fucking start. Mm. That's, he says, I was suddenly reminded of a player spotted a couple of years ago. Picture the scene, she says. A packed Southwest train commuter carriage pre-7 a.m. sometime in the middle of 2017. The travel gods had smiled at me that day for I'd somehow managed to bag myself a seat. As I glanced around the carriage, I noticed one of my fellow passengers looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place him. He was wearing what looked like a Harlequin's tracksuit top, but the train goes to the heart of Surrey's commuter belt, so that's hardly out of the ordinary, really. He <laughs> caught my eye with the look of a person who's used to being stared at by people who were trying to place from where they know him. He alighted the train at Clapham Junction and disappeared off into the crowd, just as I realised that the man I had seen was none other than, none other than then Harlequin's now zebra winger, Charlie Walker, in a full Quinn's tracksuit, struggling to get his massive kit back down the aisle and through the doors. No idea where he was off to, but wherever it was, he didn't look particularly excited about it. She finishes with, I hope that's mundane enough for you. If not, I could always regale you with stories of the time I went on a coach journey with John Inverdale. I'll be honest, I, I want to hear... I the mean, co- yeah, yeah. Big Did he style. get drunk and really leery? I've, I've, heard, I've heard too many people say that, like... John Inverdale's actually really sound and lovely. <laughs> he probably and does loads is. of stuff for charity. Most people are, aren't they? That yeah, it's be very honest. true. Um, that being not being being well, a seat on a train reminds me of the of the time I was going to London, and it was a four carriage train from Holyhead to London. I got on at Flint, and it was two carriages because trains. So it was going to be absolutely rammed at Chester. They said so. They said everyone's reserved seats are cancelled. Oh, I love that. Um, but I said it was not a problem because I'm already in one because I've gone on at Flint, you know. So then we get to Chester and I'm sat there. 
this woman comes on. There's a seat next to me, funnily enough. This woman comes on to me. She goes, um, I'm disabled and I need a seat. I went, okay, there's, yeah, there's a seat there. Sit yourself down. And then she flat, she got a disabled badge pass out to me, held it like about a foot from her face and went, but I need a seat for my carer as well. At which point I looked. And you know, you know, <laughs> do you know when the in that that there's always that flashpoint when the worst of your humanity comes about to erupt out of your out of your mouth, and you have to stop because all I wanted to do is go, all I wanted to do in the first instance because my chimp had come out, you know, was go well you don't look very fucking disabled and he's not disabled so why can't he fucking sit over there and you can call him over for something, but I didn't say that. I went okay, that's no problem, and up I got and I sat by the toilet all the way to London. And afterwards, of course, I thought, well, I've got no idea what her disabled is. Of course she's disabled. Of course she should sit next to a carer. That's absolutely the right thing to do. But it makes you realise, and it makes you wonder in these lockdown times, which is why it's a, it's a, it's a tightrope we're walking, isn't it? Because you're not far away from being a total arsehole. Yeah, yeah. You've really got to press it down sometimes. Yeah, I think the longer this goes on as well. Like, I, I, I went for my state-mandated walk uh, around our area today. And uh, this afternoon, and you know, it's a nice day, nice sunny day. Walk Starzy out. Uh, no, they weren't. However, I was walking down a sort of quite broad, like wide cycle path near us, right? And me and my wife are sort of walking, you know, perfectly straight line, about 100, 200 yards away, and we see two like families that are obviously out yeah. with their kids riding their bikes, and they've stopped and they're practicing social distancing. One's on one side of the path, one's on the other side. They're probably about eight feet away from each other, but they're having a chat. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, fair enough, whatever. And then, but then I'm thinking like, well, when we get there, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, do I just stand and wait for these people to finish having a conversation? Do I walk through the middle, thereby not social distancing myself from either of them? And so as I was just getting closer and closer, it wasn't hard to see me. It's a straight line. You great visibility, and they're just sort of still sitting there. You are six foot one inches tall. You, you know. You yeah, know. I'm not. I'm not a small man. And I just, the closer I'm getting, I'm just thinking they still haven't fucking moved. They've seen me. They must have fucking seen me. They still haven't fucking moved. <laughs> and like by the time I'm about twenty feet away, I am absolutely internally fucking ready to scream at them. Get out of the fucking way, you twats! And then, literally in the last second, the, the dad's like, "Oh, sorry," and then they both got everybody goes off separate ways and it's everything's fine but like you say it's that little it's fucking that little moment, isn't it it's yeah, that little like, moment it is your chimp me... when your chimp comes out <laughs> yeah 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 have you read that book speaking of the chimp chimpiest, paradox chimpiest, chimpiest fuck yeah i was today when you find yourself what was it the, the thing i learned from that book is if you find yourself saying if you if you ask yourself the question do i want to be behaving like this and if the answer is no <laughs> Is your chimp has taken over and you need to get him <laughs> under control, basically. Anyway, so thank you very much for that, Steph, and thank you for your support. Thank you for everybody's support on Patreon. Indeed, definitely. Uh, by the way, you did get a history episode last week. Tony rocked up and did us did. a history episode on Australia, which was very informative and good fun as well, as it always is with him. Shall Indeed, we go on with some was. news? It's been quite a lot of it's news been quite this a bit week, news, Because what the fucking else are they going to do? They might as well start signing contracts and trying to figure shit out, because what else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, probably headline thing is uh, Gus Pichot sensing a classic catastrophe unity. Um, yeah. Never waste a, late... a good crisis. Yeah, uh, has made a late bid to be World Rugby Chairman. Obviously, currently, Vice Chairman wasn't going to um, run again. Um, but, yeah, now he's just gone, fuck you. 
the establishment I'm going to run anyway with a, a progressive thing of he's not going to get elected let's be honest but Bill's got far too many years in and far too many people that love him hasn't he to to be yeah. ousted I think the thing is though like the reality is that rugby may very well be like properly back to the stone age levels of fucked after this <laughs> Less like we've lost USA You'll be rugby. We're lucky to already. get fifty quid in your boots at the end of all yeah. this. We've already lost USA rugby. Effectively, the ARU is basically bankrupt, um, and is the even the fucking RFU is making worrying noises about you know. French how rugby much money basically gonna... said that they will be broke probably at half yeah. twelve on Thursday this week by their estimates. And that's, and that's before you even talk about the domestic game where there's a real chance that non-international rugby in Wales will not exist uh, anymore after this, because pff, how the fuck are they going to... The main, the main fucking thing that's bringing money into Welsh rugby at the moment is the fucking Scarlets and the Ospreys renting out their bloody facilities to the NHS to use as fucking field hospitals. That's the only money we've got coming in. But, like, yeah, I mean, even French, when, even French clubs are saying you know what, the model that we've currently got is not really sustainable and we probably need to move to something that's a bit more rational. I mean, we are beyond the fucking market here, folks. When the French are talking about financial sensibility <laughs> and doing things in a sustainable way. Hey, but seriously though, imagine if they do restart the season in some way in a month or two's time. When will the French season actually end? Never. It will basically be a Mobius <laughs> sort of be... strip of like, yeah, it will be the aerobics. Those stairs state. that are always going up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Forever. Um, yeah. But yeah, if rugby is going to survive in a post COVID world, do we honestly think Bill Beaumont's the sort of maverick who has the big ideas needed to shake things up? Like, I am. Um, it's a weird thing. Bill Beaumont's a weird thing for me because. I only knew him as a kid from being a captain on Question of Sport because I grew up in a rugby Ooh. league culture, so I didn't really know who he was. Yeah. And then, of course, I had an inherent when I found out who he was, I had inherent distrust for him as a person because he's from Lancashire and doesn't play rugby league. He chose to play <laughs> the other rugby. So I, I don't feel like that now, but obviously, it's that again, from a chimp point of view, it's deep inside me that I do <laughs> think, well, hang on a minute, pal. What are you doing playing rugby union anyway? When this is where you from. Yeah. Although he is from, like, you get that? He is where from, did you get that idea? Right? He's from North Lancashire, where things are a little bit different. But people like David Strettley was from Warrington and played rugby union. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing? How did you even get out of your high school without getting your head kicked in for that kind of behaviour?" <laughs> but um, yeah. So, but he, and it's really funny because he comes across this affable Northern guy, which he probably is. And I suppose that everyone assume, and everyone assumes Northern people. I don't know. I think people tend to assume somehow Northern people are trustworthy or something. But actually, he obviously clearly isn't, is he? Because he's anybody. And I don't think I'm casting nobody at this. Nobody at, nobody this at that level, level of, of politics sport, can yeah, be trusted. That administration is so. squeaky fucking clean. Yeah, exactly. So. And yeah, like I don't agree with Pichot on a lot of things, and I, don't, I think ultimately he's no less self-serving than any of the establishment figures that he set himself up against. Because the only difference is that he wants to change the game to make Argentina better. And he wants a proper rugby game on the PS4. Well, yeah, fucking, but that sort of shit is sensible because Bill Beaumont doesn't understand that rugby not having a good rugby game is a problem. But yes. all teenagers and all kids understand that and the scores of people who got into rugby without even watching a game through journal only rugby on the playstation or fucking rugby 08 on the playstation 3 or whatever the fuck it was at that point you know 
it's a huge problem and he actually sees it and goes no we should probably put some money into this so that yeah. next time there's a massive lockdown rugby pass isn't getting our players to play fucking fifa because none of our players are interested in playing the rugby Whatever game that came out like two weeks ago yeah not all not all of his ideas are shit some of no. them are the world league thing was a shit idea and it was rightly mocked he wants However, a world club competition now doesn't he that's his latest yeah and like but somebody trying to chant you know prepared to try bold odds different things like south africa are doing Madge, you know, are already saying like when rugby restarts in a couple of months' time, they're just going to play all the Pro 14, the South African Pro 14 teams and the South African Super Rugby teams are basically going to have a mini league and just play it for shits and giggles. Yeah. That's exactly what, you know, that's the sort of thinking that is going to get people out of this is just like, right, what can we do that's different and weird and might actually get some people watching it? Get some people through the turnstiles, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. You won't win though. You'll, yeah. No, he won't. And uh, the whole money thing as well. Talking about people being in the shit. Scottish rugby have said that everybody on over fifty grand has to take a pay cut. Uh, Mark Dodson, the chief exec, is is, is taking a pay cut of thirty percent. So basically, he, Mark Dodson's on the money he was on three months ago again. Before he voted to give himself yeah. a gigantic fuck your pay. Can rise, somebody so. think of the Mark Dodsons in all this <laughs> and how they're going to get through this difficult time with only several million pounds a year or whatever the fuck it is? He's literally back on the money that he upped himself from just before Christmas, wasn't it? Or January, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the guy doesn't seem to have a lot of shame, does he? Especially in a time when a lot of CEOs of big companies that can afford to get by are going, you know what? I won't take a salary. Yes, <laughs> I'm all right, mate. I can probably get by on my savings. He's going to go. No, I'll take. A, I'll take a small pay cut. Nah. Uh, yeah, everyone in Wales is obviously taking uh, a 25% pay cut. Um, yeah, everyone's fucked, mate. Have the, have the Irish players started uh, been asked to take pay cuts yet? I've missed that. If I've have. not seen that, um, I don't know. Well, Maybe it's... moving on to the news, let's talk about some player-related news. Uh, Johnny May yes. is returning to Gloucester. How do Tigers fans feel about all this? Because it seems to me that they spunked a load of money to get him in the first place. And gave, gave Gloucester up Ed, Gave up Ed Slater in yeah. return. Um, over the course, they've had him for, inverted commas, his prime, during which time he's undoubtedly become the best English winger around and one of the best in the world. And yet they got 43 appearances out of him in three years. And about and 30 tries at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and the thing, he's been very good. He's been very good when he's played for Gloucester, but he hasn't uh, for Leicester, but he hasn't played for them nearly enough. And he has, like, the fact that he's been there and playing well and scoring ties has done very little to stop them becoming shit. On the flip the worst cut team in the country, arguably. Yeah. Uh, and then on the flip side, you've got Gloucester going, well, you know, we we got a bit of cash and Ed Slayer out of that last time and now we'll have him back. Uh, he's still very good. And we've also got Ollie Thorley, Ollie Thorley and Louis uh, Reese Samet to sort of be with him on the other wing and whenever he's off with him. It's easy for you to say that, Josh. But, uh, Fucking hell, oh, I was all over the place there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but well, the, I, for one, want to see Johnny May's Gloucester return coincide with the return of Gloucester Johnny May. I want to see sideways yep. running. I want to see ignoring instructions and his team getting leaked, getting pissed off with him. I want to see him possibly long neoprene shorts being worn. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to see all of that happening. Yeah, I feel like all of this stuff is... I mean, it'd be funny for me, as a England, as a non-liker of England, it'd be very funny to see one of England's best players just revert to being a headless chicken. But, you know, it's not going to happen, is it? They're just going to get a more seasoned, better Johnny May than the one they lost three years ago. Indeed. For probably, it would still probably be good for another two or three years for a lot less money than he was on at Leicester, presumably. Uh, Lord Hadley of Parks is off to Japan, apparently. Apparently so. Um, as is, um, uh, what's his face? Gloucester, uh, 12. Ugh, why is my, my brain has gone? Owen Williams. Yes, there it is. Um, who was strongly linked with the Ospreys, um, but has decided to take the, uh, the French moolah. It leaves Wales looking dramatically short of fucking 12 options. Yes. Um, which has been a problem for about, 10 years let's not beat around the bush like when Jonathan Davis and Jamie Roberts as was weren't fit Wales were fucking in trouble and now you know Hadley Park's off to Japan Owen Williams joining him in Japan that leaves you with Owen Watkin at 12 and hopefully John Davis at 13 and there's not a lot else where's Tyler Morgan uh, still at the Dragons isn't he yeah, but never. I mean, he's not good, is he? But he's not. No, terrible. he's oh, never. He shouldn't be terrible. He's had he's had a lot of injuries, and he's never really lived up to his potential. Um, yeah, this it's not it's not good, is it? And whether they're gonna, you know, continue with trying out George North at thirteen out of pure desperation, God knows. But uh, yeah, all of a sudden, the both centre berths seem to be. The most, the most worrying positions for Wales mm. looking towards the next World Cup. Speaking of centres, uh, Will Hurrell has had to retire. Yes. Yeah. Because it seems that the head injury he had in January caused a stroke. Yeah, it was horrible. Like, I remember the, the seeming, see, like, in the aftermath of the injury, it seemed like it was quite serious. But uh, yeah, it's it, very serious in in quite a you know. To be honest with you, it's lucky that he's all right. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's for, been very sanguine and philosophical about it, saying you know I've had to take advice, I've had a good career. I think he's he had a bit of a break in his career in the middle. He went back to uni after being let go by Leicester, and so I think oh, he's, yeah, had, he he's had a yeah. fairly full you know a, a wider experience of a rugby career than just somebody who's been a rugby pro. So. Um, so he hopefully he's 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 ready to go and deal with the rest of his life because yeah, and he's thirty as well. You know, it's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, still uh, early, but it's not like he's he's in his he's had a decent length of career. But uh, yeah, still very sad, obviously, and a reminder that this game is pretty fucking scary sometimes. However, who is not retiring is Nigel Owens. God no, he wants that one hundred up, doesn't he? Desperately, he's not he putting. Care. Well, if he's good enough though, he's not putting a, he's not putting a figure on it. <laughs> <laughs> he stared into the abyss of not being in the public eye fully for about 10 minutes and it wasn't for hated him. It. I think that absolutely was absolutely hated I it. I probably enjoys refereeing as well, that'd be funny, but I, th- I think yeah. he, I, I suppose there's an element of um you think sorry, I'll retire and all these offers will come in. And then you retire mm. and you go, hmm, there's not as many offers as I thought. I think maybe <laughs> I need to uh keep going. <laughs> Yeah, you're not being asked to be the new presenter of Question of Sport or yeah. whatever. Are you only getting all the offers because you are a ref? That's the other thing. Yeah. It's Emirates Airline gigs, etc. 
Yeah, I do. It's interesting. I'm really interested to see what post career Nige actually does in terms of like, because obviously he's going to want media work. He'll just be on Nos on Lawen, won't he? Every week. That's the thing. Will it be that level? Or because obviously he wants to be a bit more widely known. That's why he did like Desert Island Discs and stuff like that. You know. They see if Gladiators were still going, he'd be fucking perfect. Oh, Imagine him telling Wolf off and stuff. Telling Wolf it's off bring, and all that. It's worth bringing it back just to let him do it. <laughs> yes. Fuck it. Fuck it. Just use it as a nice low end vehicle. Right then. Um, any more news yeah, from you? Anyways. Uh, no, I think that's, uh, that's more than enough news for a week where yet no other rugby has happened. Um. Some days the couch just calls to us. Take a seat, grab the remote. My cushions are extra cosy today. And while we all want to get off the couch to set a healthier routine, not knowing how to start can feel overwhelming. Healthy Ireland is a trusted source for easy-to-follow tips and advice, like getting a friend involved with your healthy habits so they'll be able to motivate you on those tougher days. Search Healthy Ireland and get set for life this winter. From Healthy Ireland, a Government of Ireland initiative supporting health and well-being for everyone and helping us off our couches. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. So, Alex Jenkins, <laughs> who's a lovely yeah. patron of ours, suggested mm. that we cover the beauty that is the Brighton Miracle. In, Thanks, his, in his message, he said, some of the acting isn't very good. That was That was the only thing he gave us. So um yes yeah, so um the Brighton Miracle is of course the I was going to say the dramatization of or the feature film I don't sure you can call it a well, feature film Well I thought film. it was a feature film <laughs> Me too and but within is it? 5 isn't minutes it? of watching it I was like I don't know uh, what the fuck is hell is going on here sorry. at all But yeah yes it is a film about South Africa versus Japan in the 2015 Rugby World Cup uh obviously the greatest you know, one of the greatest games of rugby ever, one of the greatest upsets ever. Um, goes without saying, I think, watching the actual game itself will be dramatically more entertaining than watching this film. Well, again. the funny thing was, when I said that we'd watched it, a lot of people started then talking about a game. I said, no, 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 I don't mean the game. No, no, I no, mean no, the film. No. To be absolutely clear, we mean yeah. the ridiculous film. Before we get yeah. to the film, actually, because you have mentioned the game there, everybody always seems to remember where they were when they watched this game or, or, or where they were when they were not watching it because they maybe thought it was going to be a pasting or whatever. So where were you? Did you watch um, it? I came into it um, maybe halfway through the first half and obviously Japan was sort of well in it and they were and South Africa were just in the lead at half time, and I was sort of sitting there thinking, oh, you know, they're giving yeah, a good account of themselves. Yeah. I vividly remember when South Africa scored those tries in the second half, just going, and I might have even tweeted something, just going, ah, here we go. They, they fought, you know, fair play to them, but this is, that's it now. They're done and dusted. And then just, just what a fucking incredible last. Because the, the, film, the film that we're about to talk about doesn't do a very good job of conveying how <laughs> fucking dramatic that game was. It genuinely doesn't. No, it like, doesn't. It doesn't do a very good job of of helping us understand 
how they won either, but we'll come on to that later on. Yeah. But the the um, where I I was I had people around at my house who are who take at best a passing Six Nations based interest in rugby sports fans, if you like, but not really that arsed. And in true, again, a demonstration. No matter what the sport is, it's all about the drama. They were all crowded around the television and went absolutely batshit when that final try try was scored. Yeah, I think, I, to be honest with you, as much as it was the Rugby World Cup and I was obviously interested, like, I was just sitting in my house watching it, doing other things, had it on in the background, and then just, like, as the game went on, just, I had less things on. It was, it just absolutely sucked me into the point that when Japan went over for that winning try, I absolutely yes. lost my fucking mind. It was brilliant. Are the, um... We started the podcast during the World Cup in 2015, but I think it was after this game. I think we started in the quarterfinal stage or something, randomly. It was yeah, it was it was around the 2015. We, we definitely did start the during the 2015 World Cup. We yeah. definitely did, but I think I think I'm pretty sure it was just it was. I think it was the last. Anyway, we didn't cover that game. So, but anyway, no, so we that's didn't. how we uh, so. So yeah, so brilliant game. So they decided, and it was a big deal, quite clearly. A huge deal. So huge they decided deal. to make a, f- a film out of it, which is in theory, I suppose, about, well, on the face of it, it's about Eddie Jones's transformation of Japanese rugby. It is. I mean, first, before we start, can I thank the makers of this film for only making it 82 minutes long, including the credits? <laughs> yes, because honestly... Short. If it had been one minute longer, I think I would have walked into the kitchen, turned on the gas, and just taken my chances <laughs> with however long it I mean, let, let's not be about the bush. It is a terrible, terrible Honestly, film. Honestly, fucking terrible film. If you can call it a film. Um, what do we think of the casting of Tamura Morrison, he of Shortland Street slash Django Fett fame? Um as as Eddie Jones, because like if you stick him in, if you shave his head in the correct Eddie Jones yeah, hairline, hair which, front, by the way, yeah. is yeah hair. But Tamira Morrison doesn't have a hair island, and so you can quite clearly tell through most of this film that it's just been shaved. That the hair island has been artificially constructed, <laughs> and there's loads of stubble on his head. Um, I just, I, I mean, it's not they're not unlike each other. However. It's a bit weird. They've decided they went casting wise. They just went right. We've got this Japanese Australian guy. What do we do? Oh, I should get a married descended New Zealander to do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's the um, fact that he was wall to wall. Eddie Jones. I don't get the impression, whatever I may think of Eddie Jones, that Eddie Jones is wall to wall misery. And what comes out of this yeah, film is that he is wall to wall misery and seriousness all the time. Yeah. There's not a lot of... I can't, I kind of really wanted this film to give me an insight into Eddie Jones's character and into Eddie Jones's like, inside life. And it tries to do that, but well, in a way that, that is... Because childhood uh, racism. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so incredibly one note that, like... I can't blame... I think Tamara Morrison, we can say, his performance is frankly better than this film deserves. Well, he's, he's still about ju- as gen- natural as Simon Cowell's teeth. 
Well, he's 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 doing the best he can with some truly terrible material, is what. He must. I, I mean, mean, imagine having to go and do the press junket stuff on this. He must have been thinking, "Oh, for fuck's sake, I've done my yeah. best with this." You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like I joked about Django Fett and Shortland Street, but like anybody who's seen um, Once for Warriors, yes. I mean, it's horrible in that. Awful, awful character. Yes. Yeah, but it's a fucking unbelievable film. performance. Yeah. yeah, and an unbelievable, but. The, the fact that he doesn't even bother to do the accent is weird. Like, Eddie Jones has got quite a distinctive voice. Yeah, most people like, can have a go at it. Do you like most people yeah. have got a singing impression of Michael McDonald in the, in the locker they can have a go at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, most people can do a bit of a Jones, can't they? Just go on. Eddie Jones, mate. Yeah, yeah. And foul, foul, thirty-two fucking test yeah, matches, got, mate. You know, you can get, and you don't want it yeah, to be like a comedy piss take parody, do you? No, but it does. It is. It is. It is distinctly we, nasal. His voice doesn't even it? bother doing an Australian accent. He spends <laughs> most of the film doing more of a Warren Gatland impression than he does an Eddie Jones one. It's weird. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like we need to talk about what the fuck this film actually is, because the opening, like, I watched this film, and I, I like you, I assumed it was, I, I seen Tamara Morrison's playing Eddie Jones. This must be then a dramatic film. Yes. But then the film opens, and we've got archive footage of the game. Mixed with interviews with like fucking Joel Stransky <laughs> and an Eddie Jones and a co- an Australian and Michael, commentator and an Australian commentator and Michael Leach and I'm like, hang on, is this is this, what is this? Like, if they did that at the end, like put all of that in the end of the film as a sort of like, and here's the real because they make a point of like the real Michael. Like Leach, at the end of every episode real. of Band of Brothers, where they actually had the real exactly guys going, yeah, that. you know, and that yes. was incredible when we did that sort of thing, yeah. But instead, it's just unbelievably jarring from the off because then we go from that into Tamara Morrison as Eddie Jones, and there's no like. And then I'm like, I was like, but then I was like, okay, so they did the documentary stuff at the start, and now it's going to be a film. But no, 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 <laughs> it keeps it just, jumping backwards and forwards. It forward. just keeps back like it's all over the place. Like it's so jarring and such a weird, weird way of making a film. And the thing about the, the thing about the Tamara Morrison performance is, of all the things you can accuse Eddie Jones of, he is not without charm. Oh yeah, he's absolutely. He's a charm. very charming bloke when he wants to be, and yeah, Tamara Morrison's performance is he displays a guy who is entirely without charm. Yeah, he's basically a prick for the whole film. <laughs> in Tamara Morrison's reading of it, and and never has any hint of like being funny whereas every time it cuts to Eddie Jones and he's got that like because you know we all know what Eddie Jones is like because we've watched a lot of Eddie Jones's press conferences that little Eddie Jones like cheeky schoolboy smirk he has he a twinkle in his permanent and the twinkle Tamara Morrison ha- attempts neither the smirk no, nor Tamara Morrison twi- has got dead black shark eyes all the way through <laughs> the whole thing yes um yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like the first reference that we hear about Eddie Jones in this film from somebody that isn't Eddie Jones is just the line, "I heard he can be difficult," <laughs> which is, I mean, the, the truest line of any film ever. Well, the narrative is established early where they're talking, and, and this narrative is all the way through where they never ever stop talking and referring back to them losing one hundred and forty-five seventeen in yeah. that World Cup, which I'm sure was a thing, you know, that they did think about, but. 
that's obviously the narrative they had to paint, didn't they? It Having a, said that, I've not lived in Japan. Fucking, so. They've had a lot of fucking pasting since. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's and there's and there's, there's there's teams that have done worse in World Cups, haven't they? Yeah. Or am I yeah, getting mixed I mean, up? Probably Namibia have done worse. You'd have thought so. Yeah. yeah. I suppose they've played in more, haven't they, Japan? But um, yeah, because they've always been there, and they don't, but still, it's. But this, I mean, but the whole style of it is a kind of combination of a, these like jumps in between sort of daytime soap level script and acting, and clanging talking heads that keep coming in of real people. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I'm quite like I find the best part of this film is the talking heads. Is real Eddie Jones? It'd have been and a real very Michael good Lynch. documentary if documentary. it had been made as a documentary. Which yeah. makes me think the guy who's made this, Max Mannix, who's an Australian guy, had been based in Japan for fifteen years, and it seems from his his kind of his filmography, he's made a number of Japanese TV shows. Is this what plays well in Japan? In Japan, this style. To, of, I, I don't I'll know. Tell you, answer, to a to a fucking Western audience, it's weird um also clearly every fucking bit of this film's production budget was spent on tamira morrison (laughs) because everyone else in this film is fucking awful like like have you ever acted before and they definitely didn't spend any money on the guy who played michael leach's ear prosthetics He looked like somebody who had a go at making a cosplay Ferengi head. It's so <laughs> with bad. paper mache with a help. It looks like looks like somebody's got some used tea bags and just sort of lightly <laughs> affixed them to the side of his head. It's. I mean, can we talk at the opening sort of scene of this film after the Eddie Jones bit? There's a bit where Michael Leach uh, pretend Michael Leach, not real Michael Leach, which is important <laughs> you have, because you do have to draw a distinction. Yeah, yeah, pretend Michael. Leach. Uh, and, and his missus, um, who's Japanese but weirdly has an American accent. Does she yes. really have an American accent? I don't know. No idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume she doesn't because nobody else in this film is talking with the right accent anyway. So yeah, um, they're having a conversation um, about Eddie Jones. And honestly, if that conversation actually happened in real life, I have serious concerns about their relationship because they appear to only be able to communicate through clunky and contrived expositional dialogue. Um, <laughs> Four minutes into this film, right, and we've had two mentions that Eddie Jones is half Japanese, but not really. Like, I they, know, yeah, there's that. I wrote that down. There's loads of that. That drum. And Michael Leach at one point refers to himself, the real Michael Leach refers yeah. to himself. You know, it wasn't easy growing up in New Zealand as a half cast. Cast, yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, is that gonna be? You know, it's, it's like, your background, it, mate. Fair enough, but it whoa. could be such an interesting film here or a documentary, even a film, to be honest. One or the other, not both. Um, <laughs> Especially not both in the same <laughs> film. Yeah. Um, about Japan's, in you know, Japan's relationship with race. As through the prism of well, their according rugby. to this film, what you can always is that they are stonkingly racist, mega racist, culture, and I've got no idea they are. I'm no. simply saying that watching this film, they are stonkingly racist as a culture, is what this film is telling me. Yeah, it's like I just, it's it's so fucking weird how overtly and like unapologetically kind of like throughout the film, like constantly 
digging at for a film that's clearly made with the cooperation of everyone involved the JRFU and you know is made for a Japanese audience presumably like there's so many like unsubtle digs at Japanese culture like you say the racism the bigotry against non-Japanese people like the sort of talk that basically how you know Japanese culture is at odds with creating good rugby players and good rugby teams because they're too fucking compliant like it's pretty pointed isn't it it is pretty pointed yeah and a kind of a bit sort of like is this okay I don't I don't know if it's okay but you know yeah there's all this serious shit going on and Michael Leach is having flashbacks about his dead brother which must have been a fucking awful thing for him to go through but it's very clunky as a dramatic device honestly it's an unbelievably hammy in that he's sitting there practicing Japanese characters which is a subtle metaphor for how he's trying to integrate into Japanese culture in case you've forgotten not really Japanese yeah yeah, brick through window level of subtlety um and then they have this voiceover of what is presumably his mother ringing him up and saying that his brother's died in a car crash which that incident must be incredibly formative and traumatic for michael leach but it is handled in a way that is unbelievably like sub soap opera level and at no point in the whole of the film does the real michael leach talk about talk it. about that it's, yeah. it's used as a dramatic thing but n- at no point does michael leach say or because after that you think there'd be a cut to the real michael leach saying you know i had to leave new zealand and because that, i felt so traumatized about my brother well i don't know whatever it might be i don't that know what is my, and that it really is my issue with a lot of this film is that these sort of moments that they have and you know i'm jumping around a bit here but when eddie jones the probably the one like bit of this film that's played really nicely I think by Morrison is when Eddie Jones' dad dies yes because Morrison plays that in actually a really understated way yeah. where and in a way that you could imagine was quite real for Eddie Jones in that he doesn't like he doesn't get overcome with emotion he just allows himself literally a fraction of a second for the emotion to register across his face he holds the phone away and then he's straight back to it it's very nicely handled yes However, we don't really get any kind of insight from Eddie Jones then about what the reality of that was, you know, of what his internal, like, and no, nobody's ever telling you what the internal shit is. It's all surface. Yeah. And that, it pissed me off more than anything, to be honest, because I was like, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> like, and I've not read his book. So I suppose we should read his book because I was very interested in, it, it obviously doesn't surprise me that a half Japanese lad in the 70s in Australia would have had a shit time at school. <laughs> yeah. They would have done in Britain as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying no. It's a, so I'd have been, so I would like to read his books to see if he goes into a bit more depth about that and that. Cause all you got here was a ridiculously, you know, trite, cliched flashback. Yeah, it was basically. all, it was And then his so mum saying to him that when people say horrible things to you, you should just smile and say something intelligent. Then obviously fast forward and that's what he does yeah, when actually that's what he does now yeah, yeah yeah but these sort of things i mean i really enjoyed uh when we cut to that flashback um they have to put eddie jones uh on Ed- young eddie jones's backpack just in case like <laughs> literally written in incredibly legible letters um just in case you're not following because to be honest it would be hard to lose track because that was just a real eddie jones's kid is this is this what's this indeed but that that bit as you you mentioned the scrum banter Thing this is when he's a teenager he, then, isn't it? 
Well, he's a teenager, and somebody basically says Asians can't play rugby, which I'll, I'll level with you. Nobody ever said that. No. They, they, they almost certainly called him some unbelievably said nasty things. Unbelievably awful. Unbelievable. Yeah. Much, much worse. Like, um, and then he just does some, you know, he makes some sort of really bad line in response. It's so hammy, and it's so, like, awful. And then it cuts to, oh, it's just, yeah, it's... There are so many things in this that make me want to know more about Eddie Jones. There's a nice line about his mum and dad as well, isn't it? Where he's who's he speaking to later on? Tamura Morrison acting now, which I yeah. think is obviously some truth to it. Where he was saying about how he admires his mum and dad because his mum got a load of shit because she was interned during the Second mm. World War as an American Japanese, and then his dad got a load of shit for marrying an Asian woman and all that. And he said that basically they never had a bad thing to say about anybody. Yeah, and you're like, like the anti Eddie Jones, really. It is, isn't it? It's a really <laughs> it's weird sort of way. Yeah. Obviously, we're still, I'm not fucking putting up with the shit they did or whatever, but it's... um, And you think, oh, well, actually, that's interesting about how that plays into his character and stuff, because, you know... But, but again, it's just all so surface, like you said. The um, Can we talk about some of the <laughs> radical bits? Stylistic like departures. Yeah, for starters, <laughs> most of this film appears to have been shot in the PE department of a comprehensive school. Yes, for all um, the officers of the Japanese JRFU uh, seem to, yeah, yeah, have officers. I wonder if the, in, real, in wonder if the yeah. real JRFU officers have framed prints of the JRF a JRFU logo on every wall, uh, <laughs> as they do in this film, so that you know that it is definitely the JRFU. But like, there's a bit right at the start where, um, they, after they play the French barbarians, where Eddie Jones, the fake Eddie Jones, is talking to the fake Michael Leach. Um, and it literally looks like it's like in a stairwell and there's a bit of grass that you can see sort of blurred out in the background. And it honestly looks like some kids are going to come down the stairs headed down to double geography. <laughs> like that does not look like if I mean, maybe that's what the JRFU yeah, looked maybe. like at that point. Maybe it is, but university rugby is big over there. So you never know, do you? Yeah, it does kind of feel like they just literally made this film for about so, five pence. There's the three, there's the three key Japanese JRFU officials, isn't there? There's JR and two other lads. Yes. And there's a really weird bit where the lad who's playing JR breaks the fourth wall and goes, you're probably wondering why they call me... Breaks the fucking fourth wall? Goes, you're probably wondering why they call me JR. And then it cuts to the real JR yeah. who tells yeah. the story. And I'll be honest, I didn't understand it. Neither did I. No, I thought it was something to do with Japanese railways. But it was just the fact that he, all of a sudden, after sort of having this sort of very, very serious... And that is the thing. This film is, you know, fucking... Balls in a cheese grater level serious. <laughs> a lot, like, for the entire... But then they just have a couple of moments where it goes mental. So there's one bit where, as you say, JR breaks the fourth wall outside of a disabled toilet. <laughs> like he's Ferris fucking Bueller or something. And just go, <laughs> just go, sorry, you're wondering... What, like, what's and then and the thing is, it's like, no, nobody wondered why you were called JR. That's the other thing. There was no... no this apropos of nothing. It's like, well, just, no, I just, I just thought that was your fucking name. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but then for, at no point does, and I, I mean, that was before a pivotal conversation between Eddie Jones and JR where he's talking about needing to get the coaches. Um, it is very funny that a, a pivotal conversation that changed the course of Japanese rugby takes place outside a disabled toilet. Hmm. Um, quite clearly as well, there's a sign. Um, but then can you can we go roll back a little bit to when the three, like, JRFU people are, are having the conversation about kind of, you know, imagine beating yeah. a top three team. That bit. Yeah, 
Can you imagine that? Is the line. And there's a and beat. Then, and there's a beat. beat. And then what happens? <laughs> and then it cuts to basically like it just turns into train spotting for about yeah. 10 it seconds. It fast cuts to it's them like jump, yeah, with like jump disco cut. lights going off. Yeah. Yeah, you know like, you know, like in Spaced where yeah. like you got Brian and you're like, what are the things you do? And he's like, fear. And it cuts and he's like, and pain and like all that. It's like those jump cuts, but they're jump cutting to them having a massive party, but they're in exactly the same place. With rising sun food. headbands on and stuff. And yeah, they've got rising sun headbands and they've got some disco lighting and they're basically pissed. And then it cuts back. And again, that is the only time that we use that for the entire film. Yeah, that style list is only done once. And it's, and yeah. other than that, they are all, apart from JR, because he's like with Eddie. The other two are totally miserable bastards. Yeah, who basically are just waiting for him to, and are convinced he's going to fail right I keep up until telling, the moment. They keep saying he's not really Japanese over and over, over and over, over again. Over and over again. It's weird, man. Um, yeah, there's a weird conversation with JR. Like the, one of the weirdest things in the, the first sort of quarter of this film is, speaking of weird things, is when... Michael Leach and Eddie Jones, the pretend ones. Um, I'm going to keep doing that because... <laughs> yeah, it's very important. <laughs> it's it fucking important. Yeah. Um, comes have a conversation in a coffee shop, which has way too much prominent branding, by the way, that I feel like Michael Leach owns this coffee shop. Yes. Um, they have a conversation in this coffee shop and about him, Michael Leach, basically taking over the captaincy. And they go through it, and Eddie James basically says, ah, you're just fucking shit, mate. You know, he's, he's past it. You need to be captain. And then, like, the pretend Michael... Like, the real Michael Leach cuts in and goes, no, nah, Eddie James wouldn't do it like that. And then the scene plays again <laughs> with what actually happened. And it's like, and all of a sudden we're in fucking, we're in fucking flash forward or something. I don't know. It's like the director writer obviously decided to go. These are all, these are all the ideas I've ever had about anything to do with anything oh, I wanted to do. Letting me make a film, I'm going to put everything in here. It's so. And then slightly later, Eddie Jones has like a real, a weird conversation with Jr. about the sort of the futility of capitalist society, where he's like, I see these people sort of going to work every day in their cars, <laughs> and they all look miserable. And why are they doing it? Why do people go to work, mate? It's like it's it. I don't know if that was supposed to be funny. And, and a lot of and everything about if you come away from this film, what you the reason why they beat South Africa is they trained long days. Yeah. Eddie Jones, Michael Leach, and the eight coaches that he wanted. Yes, that's it. It's not anything and... to do with anybody else or anybody else did. <laughs> it's Eddie Jones and Michael Leach. And the, and yeah. the coaches. And what, say, by speaking, the way, what the fuck? of the coaches. Yeah. <laughs> fuck me. Um, a, really enjoy that he just writes Mark Del Masso and then crazy on a whiteboard, <laughs> which, lovely touch, uh, and accurate. Um, Steve Borthwick's actor is, uh, I mean, that's Hollywood for you, eh? Because he does, yes. he's a damn sight more good looking than Steve. I mean, his nose is And he straight. has one line where he walks in and goes, our line out is much better than South Africa's line out. Or something. Yeah. We have more variations than they do, or something. (laughs) And also, the Uh, Avengers Assemble nature of the coach announcements. Yeah. Where it keeps freezing and giving their name on the screen. And and they are much more important to this film than players. And let's not forget, like, in 2015, like, Goromaru is sort of tossed in there, but basically he's tossed in there as being fucking... 
a you know a total fucking head case that Eddie Jones has to bloody yeah well bring basically into. a lazy waste of space who's got talent and yeah, one yeah, work hard yeah. yeah yeah and so it's an incredibly incredibly powerful moments when Eddie Jones gives him a gift and says inside this box is the reason why you're not doing as well as you can the answer's in here and he basically takes out and guess what ladies and gentlemen it's a little mirror and Gorimaru looks at himself in that mirror if real Eddie Jones actually did that, he's watched too many films. <laughs> of course he didn't. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. If they can do that level of like artistic license, then why could they not have made this a good film? <laughs> like, If you're going to make shit like that up, make interesting shit up. It's, it's that production meeting thing, your point at the beginning. When he sat there and went, right, I want to make this film, and it's going to be part <laughs> dramatic, part documentary. How did nobody go, whoa, hang on? Hang on a minute. Actually, that is, mate, you know, this sounds mental. It's got it's 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 that's neither fish nor fowl. That makes no sense. We need to, <laughs> and you've got comedy bits in here. I mean, who edited the script? Do you know what I mean? It's all I don't understand. I don't. I don't think there was a great deal of script editing involved. I'm not sure there was much script. This is a film, right? That is absolutely fucking in love with two people having a very serious conversation in a room that is poorly poorly lit for the Wait, sake of production design. Every single scene has incredibly foreboding and emotional soundtrack music. Yeah. Every yeah, single scene, no matter what you're talking about. You're like, no, I have two sugars in my coffee. The thing is, like Eddie Jones, right? Funny man. Yeah. Yes. Genuinely, like, let's not beat around the bush. He's he's witty when he wants to be. He's quick as fuck as well. Dry and quick. And yeah, dry and quick. There is not one good joke in this film. Actually, that's not true. There's one good joke. And that is when Eddie Jones says to um, to, to Jr. Are you going to bundy off? And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "You're going to bundy off?" And he's like, "I, I, I don't know what that means." <laughs> and that, I genuinely laughed out loud at that. But that's as good a joke as it gets. That's as close to a joke as this film gets. And the closest relationship you observe is between Eddie Jones and that and that goatee bearded journalist who they fence with quite regularly. What the fuck, like. That guy is never named. He's not named in the credits. He's obviously a real person. I would imagine that the fucking pool of English-speak, like, Kiwi journalists who regularly cover Japan rugby press conferences is pretty small, and that guy does not come across well. He doesn't come out of well at all, does he? Maybe he's a composite character. That's what they normally get away with saying, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, there's, there's the bit outside the, uh, outside the, the dressing room. Outside. They're, They're all stood outside laughing. listening, and he said, you got, you've got to be South Africa, yeah. and they're laughing. He goes, they're fucking laughing out there. And let me tell you this. It's, it, there's, a lot, there's a lot of montage, and there's a lot of, of emotional one-from-the-gipper speeches happening a lot, isn't there? Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what else there is. There's an awful lot of Canterbury in this movie. A lot of Canterbury. This, this film is a fucking advert for i actually i was quite bored at one point in this film and i actually started counting how <laughs> long it was before a canterbury logo appeared on and the longest bit before a canterbury logo appeared was um four minutes and that's where eddie jones is basically in the like 
I think it might have been the bit between when he's recovering from his stroke and when his dad dies. There's like four minutes without a Canterbury logo. And then we're right oh, back. That's because he's in pyjamas in a hospital bed. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, but I, I just love the fact that he's got one set of, like, he's either in Canterbury training wear or a polo or something like that. And then he's literally got one set of other clothes. It's, it's, it's schoolboy jumper it's, and, 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 and towel. Yeah, yeah. And that's literally all, like, I'm sure, even when he's relaxed, he's just wearing the same thing. And it's not even like he's got, like, different jumpers. He's always wearing the same blue jumper, the same grey trousers, and the same light blue shirt. quite clearly filmed in about four days, wasn't it, the whole thing? Oh, massively so, yeah. So he has a stroke in which you mentioned. And what mm. is really funny about the thing is that they do properly have a Rocky-style montage of Eddie Jones recovering from his stroke. So, but with- instead of, like, smashing things with Amazon, having kids chasing through the park, it's just him doing stroke physiotherapy. In, in a therapy room. <laughs> but then they think... The thing is, right, there's an interesting, like, kernel of what could be quite an interesting narrative. Yeah, so often this happens, here. but yes, go on. Yeah. The real, they, they, because basically, because the other sort of strand of this is Michael Leach badly breaks his leg, sort of, yes. what is it, 18 months out from the Rugby World Cup. And they sort of... Para- at various points throughout the film, they're obviously paralleling their shared experience. You know, because it's Michael, all about them two, as we've established. Yeah, yes. but like, because Michael Leach has experienced racism, clearly, you know, alienation in a country that they considered home. They've both lost loved ones. They've both been written off. They've both suffered sort of health hmm. drawbacks that have threatened their dreams. And there's a film to be made that, like, if a pure narrative one that actually gets into that and their relationship and the way that they sort of drove each other on to be to to have this glorious, successful moment by sort of both coming through this shared darkness and basically finding each other as sort of a captain and a coach and pushing each other through the team to win. That would have been quite a nice, you know, not a complicated film because very few sports films are, but at least that could have been quite narratively satisfying. Instead, it's a fucking mess because it's neither film, both film, because of the fact that clearly Jones and Leach are heavily involved in this film, um, neither of them wants to actually show any kind of human weakness. And so we have these sort of struggles that they go through, but they're always facing them basically with a stiff upper lip and determination yes. and they're getting through them. And there's never any dark times. There's never any drawbacks, you know. At no point does Michael Leach sort of get feel totally fucking defeated by the fact that, you know, he can't even get a fucking housing lease in Japan because he's a man in japan and things like this yeah like Mm. i just don't believe it it doesn't none of it works narratively at all and it keeps jumping on a hundred it starts off a thousand days in the world cup that's a device it keeps jumping on like 200 days whatever until it's down to and then when they're is it when they're a week from the world cup does this they're suddenly walking through cherry blossom orchard or forest whatever it's so fucking weird this kind of Lady, like a, I'm assuming, like sounds like the Japanese version of Ellie Goulding singing yeah. a sort of haunting ballad, and then the he, he he walks him into a graveyard and says, "All of these <coughs> graves represent a life, but your lives haven't even yeah. begun yet." And then they slowly walk round again, looking at graves. Again, this... Ellie Goulding, and then he goes and up to Michael Leach or something. Yeah, go on. Like they basically do a weird jump cut where. Eddie Jones's dad dies. Yeah. Um, then it cuts to basically 
all of the senior Japanese play- players that they could be bothered to get actors in for, um, <laughs> sitting on weights benches under, you know, in sort oh, of... Oh, yeah, like a semicircle, six of them. In a semicircle. And then one of them gets a text and goes, basically, oh, his dad's died. Oh, and the text and just... bubbles, by the way. What the fuck? The text... Well, that, yeah, that's another thing. That's another weird... Yeah. Um there's also a really weird scene where um, JR is being texted while driving before Eddie Jones has a stroke that yeah. is so odd. But we, yeah, I mean. Well, the players if, all hate him, didn't they? Tell him he's a. They yeah, basically but the fact that gone. it's like this, this weird sort of like fucking, like, you know, you, you don't want your missus to see, to check your phone, check your text messages on your phone because you're worried about, like, that. It has that kind of vibe about it. <laughs> and it's so odd. But yeah. So they're all sitting in a semicircle. They get the news that Eddie Jones' dad's died. And then they start singing this song. Horise starts, Afro- isn't he? The one who's been sacked yeah. as the captain. Yeah. When, and there's and a translation then, of the song, which is not really which, about. Well, is it about? I don't know what it's meant to be. It says about something about looking up to the sky so my tears don't fall or something. I can't. Oh, I can't remember now. But well, you should remember because they subtitled that song, even though the song has literally three lyrics. It has three lines of lyrics that are repeated. It's a lovely, beautiful song. It's a lovely ballad. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. However, once that they, it makes perfect sense for them to subtitle it when they're singing it the first time round because. Anybody with ears can tell that this is a song that has like three, yes, you know, it's one of those types like, of yes, repeat yeah. a folk song. But then type. for the next four and a half minutes, the Ellie Goulding woman takes over from singing that song and sings it the entire time that they're walking around this graveyard, and it's subtitled every single time for the remaining four minutes. And it's so easy. I know, I know what that says. Now. Is it because Eddie Jones's dad has died? They walk to a graveyard. I don't understand. I, think, the I feel like that was always thing. the plan. I think that was always the plan, but it's had its extra significance because his dad's died. All these because it is very much kind of all these people are dead. You're not, so <laughs> yeah, go and beat South Africa, right? Okay, on we go. Yeah. Um. Once the game starts, though, it almost becomes even more weird because there is no logical narrative to the clips of the game they show, apart no, from the tries also... and stuff. But there's no. Th- 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 just anyway, go on. Yeah, like any any half decent documentarian could make a brilliant fucking jump cut highlights. The last because the last ten minutes of the film is basically archive footage of the game, but cut in a way that absolutely robs the game of any kind of drama. Um, but why would also, you want that when you can have a twelve minutes of Mira Morris at half time, given one from the Gipper speech, which is what really they were teeing <laughs> up for, isn't it? Well, I mean, talk about easy days that Tamara Morrison's had in work is that for some reason, right, even though they they cut to the real game footage because they obviously don't have the budget to pay 30 people to pretend to play rugby, um, they mix the real game footage in with dramatised footage of, of Eddie Jones reacting to things that are happening on the pitch combined with reactions of Michael Leach's missus who's got a weirdly massive part in this film, by the way. Um, like, you'd swear that she was the third most important person to Japan beating South Africa. Well, she's got a bigger effort. part yes. than any of the other players. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so, they've got Tamura Morrison basically reacting to tries being scored or conceded or penalties. And basically, as we all know from remembering Eddie Jones on that day, 
Eddie Jones was basically stoic for that entire game. So it's basically Tamara Morrison standing there with an earpiece in, just looking quite intense. <laughs> and but for some reason, they cut the it's the dramatized Eddie Jones, but it's the real Heineken Meyer. <laughs> Yes, that is, I've never thought of that, yeah. <laughs> they cut, they cut to the... They so cut Samira to the Morrison pulling faces, and then the real Heineken Meyer. Real Heineken Meyer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, there's a very obvious, you know, difference in quality, because, like, Tamara Morrison's been filmed with a film camera up close, and the Heineken Meyer ones are shot with fucking sports cameras from 100 yards away because he's in a coaching box. And it, But it's just so... Like, either use real Eddie Jones and real Heineken Meyer as your actions, or use... Or just could they not? Could they honestly not afford to get a Heineken Meyer guy in to do <laughs> when, the same thing? When they win the game, it cuts to the two miserable JRFU lads in the crowd, and then just to box it off in case you weren't sure, one of them literally yeah. says to the other one, "We will never talk about 145 17 again." Again, it's still though. I must be said, the moment where Japan score at the end. Is still oh, remains amazing and spine tingling, yeah. goosebumpy stuff. Um, and it's so much better than anything that's in this film. And like, to jump back to the graveyard for a minute, basically pretend Eddie Jones goes to pretend Michael Leach with his tea bag ears and says, "Whatever decision you want to make, I'll stick with you." And you know, yeah. your brother will be proud of that or something. And then they, and, yeah, because and whatever. So then, of course, there's the big decision at the end with the penalty, where they take the scrum. Yeah. Uh, where Leach takes the scrum, and that's what leads to the final score, and and they win, and brilliant. Um, and if he hadn't taken, in case you don't remember, if he hadn't taken the the scrum, they could have kicked a penalty. Goromaru could have kicked the penalty; it would have been a draw. Good draw, yeah. And and it's and again, I think the most interesting thing about all of it, of this entire thing, is it cuts the real Michael Leach after the after the decision, and he says something along the lines of, "If I hadn't taken the scrum, if we'd gone for the kick and it had been missed, I regret I would have regretted it forever that we didn't give it a go and try to win." I also get the impression he didn't fancy laying it all on Goromaru, To be honest, I would yeah, I wouldn't want to give it. And actually, unbelievably, like as good as he was in that tournament, let's not forget that Goromaru, outside of that tournament for the rest of his career, before and after, was broadly fucking hat stand. That's because not people weren't giving him mirrors often enough. <laughs> If he just if he just got given mirrors every now and again to look at himself, he'd have been so. Yeah. But um, and actually, I do think that would have been a really good bit to spend some time and get some thoughts about. That actually, that's really interesting because that you know one was it because you didn't want to put pressure on your kicker and have him be haunted by it for the rest of his life? Did you want to give it a go? Does it say what kind it's... of leader you are that actually we've come this far? Let's fucking get stuck in. Let's all go for it together. And actually, and if we lose, it'll be fucking disappointing. But this is this will be the best thing we've ever done together, sort of thing. What yeah? What did Michael Leach fucking like? Because they haven't bothered to fucking pay for enough actors to have a whole entire Japanese rugby team. Like we can't even get Michael Leach fucking saying what he was saying to them in the huddle before no, like that did, final yeah. scrum. Like basic fucking sports movie shit. Yeah. That this is our last chance, was, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Like even if it would have been hammy as fuck, it would have you made it narratively much more compelling. According to this narrative, they'd all have gone, "Well, you're not even Japanese anyway." <laughs> Probably. You, yeah. Because because he's in the huddle going, "Look, boys, I know I'm not Japanese, but can you just push <laughs> yeah. at this scrum?" And then they go, "What the fuck's going on with your ears?" <laughs> I mean, the reality is, like, sporting drama is not act like for all of the like 
thing of you know when something remarkable happens on sports you know it's like oh it's like a movie it's like no it's not like a movie because like that's why all stories are not based on real life because real life is nowhere near as interesting as a well-written story like Hmm. even something that has a strong narrative as that epic win over south africa is mainly quite dull it's mainly about training in a training camp for 170 yeah, odd days and whatever many days it was for yeah. 12 hours a day there's a really funny there's a really yeah. obvious bit at the beginning where in the middle where they're so sick of training they go and ask Eddie can we not train he says no fuck off it's not my problem you don't want to train well the players won't yeah. turn up that's not my problem and I imagine he probably was a bit like that actually yeah, yeah. These, are, these are the standards and it's not my problem if you don't want to live up to them if you don't want to turn up then that's not on me and yeah. then they turn and up and he's challenging says, Leach's captaincy he says there is no training and then they go and train anyway. It's like yeah. that bit in Escape to Victory where they're offered the chance to, 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 to escape a prisoner of war camp, but instead, no, they choose to stay and play against yeah. the Germans. We can win this. We can win this, lads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you say I mean, there? I'll... Low red left back from Ipswich Town, what did you say? <laughs> and Yeah, and that's the, the issue. Like, if you're going to make a drama version of this film, go fucking all out and make it an interesting portrait of these two clearly quite tortured and damaged individuals. Yes. That, Who deal with it in what different about, ways. What, yeah. what and what drives them in the way that it's it's allowed them to do this sort of thing that nobody imagined was possible. But like, it's, it is, I mean, it, you, you said like, they literally, the only players that actually are sort of in any way kind of like even part of this is Goromaru and Leech uh, what's and, his face? and Hirize, uh, the, the former and Hirize, who he wasn't actually even he was, playing yes. yeah doesn't play for the entire tournament because he's the off field captain effectively um, but you know there was some fucking good like Matsushima was playing Tanaka was playing like Michael Broadus was good. Luke Thompson was good. Like Mafia off the bench Pichon, was amazing. Mafia yeah. off the bench, yeah. Like Yutamara uh, Tamara was on the bench. Like this was a really like this was a Japanese team that was basically the first iteration of what became the fucking brilliant team in 2019. You know, with give or give or take a few retirements, and at no point is that alluded to at all. That you know Eddie Jones whether through his own like talent spotting or through sheer luck happened upon you know probably the best like combined generation of Japanese rugby players that there has ever been and how does that happen like at no point is that he basically just goes yeah these players aren't good enough I'm going to have to get new ones but can you can we can we get some more information What's, on how you unearthed these brilliant what was players? That we had seen when JR was crossing the name out of non-Japanese people on a big list. Was that then mm-hmm. trying to sort of say, yeah, we've deliberately gotten rid of people who are not of Japanese, full Japanese background, sort of thing? I didn't I didn't understand what they're trying to do there. It certainly felt a little bit like that. Yeah, I mean, this is a very it's a very weird, frankly, it's, very shit film. It's a shit film. About a brilliant, Frank, brilliant moment. It deserved racial, better. Yeah. It, it genuinely, I would genuinely like some, like, this film would be a lot, even for all of its soap opera fucking schlocky hamminess, this film would be so much better if we had some genuine humanity on 
display from either Leach or Jones, preferably both. Like, yes. and I'm not just talking about like, oh yeah, I went through some rough stuff, but it just drove me on to go better, to be better. Like all of that sort of yes. athlete bullshit. And the problem is that Eddie Jones is still a fucking working coach and Michael Leach is still a professional rugby player. Mm. So there's no... <laughs> Given how heavily involved they are with this film, there's no way that either of them are going to actually like show off that level of like no proper yeah, like it was never you know, going to be able to effectively was it being made yeah. this way that's before there's no, even there's no before you even get into the stylistic fucking nightmare oh my god it's an absolute mess but yeah there's there's no you know if both of these if both Eddie Jones and Michael Leach had retired at this point then we might have seen a bit more yeah. humanity but as it is, they're both too keen, you know, to protect their current status as professional people. And advertise that coffee shop, whoever it belongs to, because it's. A... I'm I'm putting money on Michael Leach or maybe the guy who so, makes this film. I don't know. Um, yeah. One thing about watching the game: how many of those tackles will be a red or yellow card right now? By the oh, way, oh yeah, and it was only four and a half years ago, and it was still. It's like it's a different <laughs> world. So. Um, yeah, there's a there's a really like the the one that Leach does right at the end of the first half. Oh yeah, is, is a straight red. <laughs> yeah, in 2020, 100 percent yes. So the film finishes, and you quite wisely, perhaps, immediately turned the fucker off as soon as they got to yes. the final. So as soon as the screen went black, you're like, "Fuck, I am done." I, whatever reason, kept watching, and a closing song came on, and a closing <laughs> song oh, is, is this. Oh man, my headphone jack's playing up. <laughs> Here we stand alone, wild and abandoned. This is like a really shit rejected nineties bond scene. And I thought I I know this voice. I mean, so it turns out, I went, I know that voice, I can't place it. I think it might be this mm. guy. Looks. Anyway, it turns out it is, it is Simon Le Bon. Well done for nice. anybody you guessed, who's co-written that with the musical supervisor who wrote all the dun 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 dun, dun music they kept playing all the time. It's called The, the Story of How and is written entirely in cliches um, and, and weak <laughs> I'm staggered by that. How? how well, I mean, is... I, they, he can only be a mate of somebody involved, can he? Because if you Surely, show listen, yeah. Simon, there's this film that's being made. It's part of documentary, right? It's part of film. I don't like the sound of this. It's about rugby, um, okay? And it's about Japan, right? And the bloke from Shortland Street's in it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like something sound about to go, you know, I'll be on the, f- f- on the fucking plane tomorrow. I'm there. It's weird, isn't it? it it's it it's only to be found on uh, YouTube. It doesn't appear to be published, that song, anywhere else. 
Are you trying to tell me that I can't buy this on iTunes for £79? The story of how. Because it was all about taking, getting to the end and taking the chances and all that. Christ. So nothing really sums up that film more than that, really. Because that's as bizarre as the 82 minutes that went before it. So It is. It's... It's such a weird. I would. I absolutely would not recommend watching this. But it is like, that thing that the biggest thing on anything. If you if you haven't watched it already, and you do start watching it. You won't. Well, you won't know now because I've told you. But when you don't know and you start watching it, you are literally going, "Whoa, this whoa, what the fuck is going on?" And then Joel Stransky's on it at the beginning, and then he's not on it again until yeah, right at, at all, the end. Until the end. he just yeah. basically says, yeah, you and Japan loved it, but to us it was the greatest humiliation we've ever fucking suffered. Basically. <laughs> yeah, Joel Stransky's basically there to go, that was fucking <laughs> shit, isn't it? Yeah, it's all very well, you fucking laughing, but you should have yeah. been round our house for the night of the day it happened. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, yeah. shall we? shall we leave that now? You should watch it for the experience, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, because it is—it's bizarre. But um, yeah, it's—it's—it's. It's, it's what else are you gonna do? Remarkable. Well, yeah, indeed. I mean, I know that I feel that like I worry what this has done to the algorithm as far as what it's going to recommend me on Amazon Prime now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's fascinating as, a, as an art, a weird as a weird fucking artifact of of that what glorious mo- of gl- that glory like. Of, the reaction to that glorious fucking moment of rugby wonderfulness. You know, this is, you know, when anybody, like, as it always happens, like, whenever something remac- like remarkable happens in sport, like, invariably, a week later, there's some fucking nonsense news story about, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so is going to make, you know, it's being made into a film now. You know, Jamie Vardy's life is being made into a film or whatever. Mickey Rourke and Alfie, for example. Mickey Rourke and Alfie being the textbook example of that. They never happen. Literally never happen. No. Except this one happens. Although I would love to see that Jamie Vardy film. You've got me quite excited about that now. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. These, these sort of things, they, they never, ever actually make it to to actually being a film and actually being released. And yet, somehow, this is basically this basically should be a, a sort of a like a cautionary tale for why these things should not happen. <laughs> this, this will be an entire module on a film studies course very soon because <laughs> yeah. there's so much in there. It really does need someone picking. I imagine Squidge is doing a film club now. To fill the time, he's big into his film. I imagine Squidge will do quite the job on this because he, probably, he knows what me, he probably knows what things like mise en scène mean and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So apparently, yes, the Jamie Vardy film was made. Uh, is being was being written by Adrian Bouchard, who uh, wrote the Gold trilogy. You remember? Remember that? Good God! Didn't Robert Duvall turn up in one of them? Probably yes. Uh, David Beckham and Ronaldo are both in it, but uh, yeah. Apparently, Vinnie Jones is attached, uh, and Fucking Claudio hell. Ranieri's asked for Robert De Niro to play him, but I, I think he might be there. <laughs> say, hey, Robert De Niro did do Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's not like he's, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't he's, turn weird shit down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, why not? Let's just, who, who in rugby most deserves a film? I mean, I'd watch the Gavin Ensign film. Just yes. for, like. That's an actual story. There's actual 
I'm increasingly thinking us. Lawrence Delalio deserves a film, mainly for the stuff he doesn't no. want to cover in the film, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's basically 24-hour party people, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, basically, this film is absolute cock. Yeah, yes. It's, uh, and... it's, it, it stinks of unwashed cock, yes, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not really anything to recommend it. And yet, I found, I, you know, I found myself perfectly engaged with it throughout its, uh, you know, incredibly short running time. I'm glad I had some. I, I'm glad I had to take notes. That made it move along a little. Maybe bit. that was. Maybe that's why I was engaged because I was making notes and pausing it and having to write down what the fuck was this about. <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird. So, so not yeah. Out. Yeah, so Michael Leach's wife uh, in this film is an actress called Sumir or Sumaya, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, um, a Japanese actress, singer, and fashion model um, who has been in things like The Shack, Hawaii Five-O, Inhumans, uh, which was fucking terrible, by the way. That's one of the worst TV shows I've ever watched. Uh, and Sumer's one about the androids. Uh, no, in it's uh, in Marvel's Inhumans. Oh, Inhumans, which, right, uh, which which was probably the worst one of the worst. Yeah, actually, it is the worst TV show I've ever seen. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so she's obviously an actress of some semblance of mm. ex- like notoriety. I mean, you could tell by the close-up facial reaction shots in the game that she's this is quite what I'm skilled. I mean, me, you know, don't get me wrong; she's a very pretty girl. And if that's why they cast her, then, you know, it, it wouldn't be the least surprising thing about this film, let's be honest. Or the most surprising thing, I should say. It's just weird, though, isn't it? It's very All weird. It's weird. I'm so very confused. Our yeah. final word is, it's weird. So go and have a go. Like Square Crisps in the 80s. Um, yes. Let's do shit good quickly, because we've rattled on about this for quite some time. Um, Hunter Sewell says that shit is having to shave with a dull razor using anti-dandruff shampoo as cream because the goblins in my hometown have decided to bank on shaving cream being currency post-apocalypse. You've got to go beard, Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going beard, isolate, iso beard. Uh, Michael gets in touch. He says, shit, is the weather being so bastard and nice and not being able to fully enjoy it? He said, but good is I'm running out of DIY jobs through around the flats. I'm not running out of DIY jobs, Michael, let me tell you. You know what I've done? I've run out of timber, and I can't get any timber from anywhere. That's what's happened to me. I bought. A, I had to buy a door for my new pantry because that's how middle class I am. And uh, and the, I went on Wix, and they said, yes, you can still order it. I thought, that's all right, I'll get it ordered. Uh, delivery date of the 28th of April, and that was last week. For a door, so which is right because they shouldn't be delivering stuff until they have to. So, yeah, it does. It, it it's the same sort of sketch of just like, well, yeah, but I am stuck in the house. At least give me fucking something to do. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, uh, Bailey and Aurora says, "Is shit? Is the Colorado Raptors taking a huff and leaving MLR? They're not, they're not winning like they used to." I mean, I, th- I think that's probably the American rugby's least for, least of their fucking <laughs> problems right now. <laughs> Well, apparently MLR are paying the full contract according to Happy Hooker. He's had it, got it as his good here. Fair play. Uh, what have we got here? Pierre Gatt gets in touch. He says, good as the Japanese top league, which is the most entertaining rugby competition featuring so many stars and talented young Japanese players. Many games are available on YouTube. Oh, I'll have to check that out. 
Mm. Lots of people giving lots of love for for Jamie Roberts. Yeah, fair play to him. One for his doctoring, and two for taking the piss when live tweeting the replays of Wales games that are being redone. Yeah, two for. You can it's just what a multi talented individual he is. Pyface gets in touch and says that shit was Shane's 2005 haircut because that game was on on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we've talked at great length about the hybrid mullet. <laughs> and it was very big at that time. Yeah, it's... it's. Speaking of things that shouldn't... like that, I know that game was 15 years ago, but watching that game back on the weekend... Uh, there's a bit where Paul O'Connell has Michael Owen on the ground on top of him and punches him five times directly <laughs> in the side of the head. I didn't watch that, but I do remember that. <laughs> um, and the ref doesn't even give him a yellow card. And he's literally on top of him with um, just batter, basically beating fuck out of him. And the ref's just like, calm down, lads. <laughs> Nowadays, that would be instant red cards. And Paul O'Connell would lucky, be lucky to see the rugby field before the end of the season if that happened in the Six Nations. Pieface makes a point here to the ref that Chris White, who was ref that day, ended that bollocking with nothing was seen by us, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just choose to ignore it. I'm sorry, have you got a TMO? I think you have. Because <laughs> <laughs> the cameras saw a lot. Uh, what else have we got here? Elliot F says, very good is the con- is the constant replays of teams beating Saracens on BT Sport. <laughs> they do keep playing classic <laughs> matches, the Saracens losing, which seems not very... Uh... I mean, yeah, it's, it's continuing the theme of this season, really, isn't it? Which is basically just making life miserable for Saracens. Bruce McConaughey gets in touch. He watched The Brighton Miracle, and here's what his take on it was. Oh. One, the movie is only two minutes longer than the game. Two, the actor playing Leech is too short. Well, I couldn't get Agreed. past his ears. So, uh, Three, the really weird format. Oh, yes. Four, oh, it has a training montage. It has numerous montages. It has numerous ones. Uh, five, thank God they use real game footage, albeit the shit game footage, as you said. Six, he said, it grows on you. Mm. Um, he said, and also, I don't understand the weird Hollyoaks-esque text message buzz of bubbles. Yes, you, you and us both. That's what they're like. That is what they're like. Oh, God. The last time I watched Hollyoaks, Jambo was in it. That's how long ago it was when I watched it. Uh, yeah, well, the last time I watched Hollyoaks was whenever I finished university because I sure shit haven't turned it on since. But, you know. When you're when you're a student, you've got to watch something with tea, haven't you? What else have we got here? Yeah, Elaine Jones says good was Jamie Roberts trolling his teammates and other players on the live Facebook watch along of Wales England from 2013. She says my personal fave was Richard Hibbert's nickname of Fatrick Swayze. Fatrick Swayze. Every every time you hear it, it's, it's great. It's, it's one of the best funnier, sporting yeah. nicknames. Patrick Swayze. That's why the English language is so wonderful, <laughs> is that it can do things like that. Uh, and what else have we got here? I think we're probably coming to an end, aren't we? He said, Tom Griffith says, good as yeah. the classic match has been shown on BT Sport. Um, and he says, and shit, I don't have Sky, so I can't watch the Lions. Yeah, I dumped Sky mm. when they had no rugby anymore and I wasn't watching Same. football, anything like Same. enough to justify it or cricket. 
Reese not finally says good was how warm it was yesterday, which was Sunday, and shit is how very unwarm it is today. Well, I went out to the supermarket today, and it was queuing outside Aldi, you know, the old two meters apart queue. And I thought, well, I'll wait here. I had a jumper on and jeans, and it was sunnier, but I thought I'd go out in this. Anyway, I'm stood there. The wind is fucking freezing. Unbelievably, yeah. Fucking freezing. I was very nearly going to go out in just a T-shirt and think, because I was like, oh, it's nice and sunny out there, and I stepped outside and felt the wind. Well, there was a woman behind me in the queue who was vest top and flip-flops and three-quarter length (laughs) jeans. To be honest, I actually did say to her, do you want to go ahead of me? Because I've got a jumper on. It's freezing. She was But yeah, so yeah, a number of people made that mistake today, I think. Oh, look how lovely a day it is. I'll just nip out. Jesus Christ no. almighty. Yeah. There's no nipping out anymore, is there? That is my 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 take on all this. Well, you have to nip out once a day and no more. Yeah. And if you're nipping out to the shops, just give up your afternoon. I've got my son doing gardening and my daughter's doing other stuff. They're not happy about it. <laughs> I'm happy about it at all. To be fair, it's fucking tough for her. My daughter's supposed to do GCSEs this year. So, I mean, I know she'll get exams without doing exams, you know what I mean? But it's still pretty discombobulating for them. Well, yeah. It's like, especially if, you know, particularly at that age when your social life is everything, to suddenly not have access to that for, you know, three months or whatever the fuck it's going to be is shit. It's fine to me. I haven't got a social life. This is as close as I get to one. So, you know. My wife said to me today, do you want to go out for a walk with the dog? I said, no, no, I don't, actually. I'm quite happy sitting in. I'm going to watch Star Wars. <laughs> you say I can sit on my own for an hour. Sounds fantastic. Right, that's us, I think. How the hell Indeed. have we managed to make that last over an hour and a half? Oh, God yeah. knows. Right. Let us... Let us yeah. depart your lives once again. Indeed. We'll be back again next week, um, no doubt, when we'll do something else. Yeah, why not? Everyone's doing classic matches now, so I suppose we'd yeah, like your I thoughts we... on whether you want us to do them, because, you know, I think we've I'm done them before. More, and... I'm having more fun doing things that aren't classic matches yeah. like this. I mean, it's easier to be fu- to talk stupidly about things that are awful, to be blunt. <laughs> yes, Yes, it is, as we've discovered Yeah, with many things. Anyway, thanks, Josh. Thanks, everybody. We'll speak to you all soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Some days the couch just calls to us. Take a seat. Grab the remote. My cushions are extra cosy today. And while we all want to get off the couch to set a healthier routine, not knowing how to start can feel overwhelming. Healthy Ireland is a trusted source for easy-to-follow tips and advice, like getting a friend involved with your healthy habits so they'll be able to motivate you on those tougher days. Search Healthy Ireland and get set for life this winter. From Healthy Ireland, a Government of Ireland initiative supporting health and well-being for everyone and helping us off our couches. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.